What's going on, SVU fans? This is Jamie Gray Hyder, a.k.a. Kat Tamine, and this is The Squad Room, a podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the 21st season of Law & Order SVU. If you haven't watched episode 2113, Redemption in Her Corner, you should probably do that before you give it a listen. Hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to The Squad Room, the official Law & Order SVU podcast. I am your host, Anthony Roman. This is episode 2113, Redemption in Her Corner. And on the program, the star of this week's episode, the great Jamie Gray Hyder is joining us. And we talk about boxing and all things Kat Tamine. After that, the writers of Redemption in Her Corner, Brianni Allen and Monet Hurst-Mendoza, take us through this awesome script. All this is happening right here on The Squad Room, which is brought to you by NBC and Wolf Entertainment. We are here on the squad room and my guest again is Jamie Gray Hyder. Hello. Thank you for coming back on. Thanks for having me. And talking about this amazing episode, Redemption in Her Corner. Yes. And I guess the big thing to talk about is boxing. Yes. Which you had to do. <laughs> I had to do a lot of boxing, which is great because that's what I do for a workout. Anyway, I train in boxing and Muay Thai. Okay. So when this episode came up, they let me know a few months in advance and I kind of put Muay Thai to the side for a while. And we just worked on my boxing technique so that when the day came, it could look as good as possible. And how extensive was the training for that, would you say? I just sort of kept with what my normal routine was. You know, I do an hour, two or three times a week and just kind of hone in on technique um, we normally mix it up with workout and weights and doing the fight stuff. But for the last few months, we just focused specifically on boxing and on technique and conditioning. And was there someone in charge of how the... I know boxing is very hard to film. I worked on Lights Out with Warren, which was a boxing show. Which and so they got this choreographer, Bobby, from Lights Out. And how was that experience? It was awesome. It was really fun. He's a really great teacher. And for me, it was an interesting sort of melding of worlds where I kind of had to take all this technique that I'd worked on and then had to open it up a little bit for camera because it yeah. looks more dynamic to have larger, bigger movements. And I had just spent so many months working on making sure I got it right technically that I kind of had to let some of that go for the dramatic purpose. But I really love being physical. I really love being active. So to have this as a component in the episode for me was something I particularly enjoyed. So you have to do like bigger gestures, right? To make it look like you're actually boxing. It's like if you stuck to the... If you stuck to something too tight and small, depending on where the camera is, it could completely miss it or it wouldn't look as dynamic. So you work with angles to make sure that you're fighting at a safe distance from your partner. And in this case, it was Manny who played Esperanza. Yeah. You know, we had to keep it a safe distance to make sure that we weren't going to hurt each other, but be able to swing enough that it looked... And how are you doing that? You're not hitting each other, but you're trying to look like you're hitting each other. How hard of a game is that? It's a little bit of movie magic. Um, okay. <laughs> depending on, you know, if you kind of look at something from a certain angle, if I throw something right at the same axis as her face and the camera maybe is on the other side of her, it will look as if I came in contact with her because of the gotcha. angle of the camera. With that said, Manny and I were both people who are really excited to get physical and, you know, we... We might have tapped each other a couple times, but we really wanted to get into it. It's sort of the driving force of the episode sure. as the teaser. So we both being physical and competitive people have had a good time with that. Right. And were you mad that you lost? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They told me a few months ago, they said, you know, we're going to do an episode where you box because you box, right? And I'm like, yeah, I box. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to show off my skills. And like, and then I get the script and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> 
You guys didn't tell me that I get knocked out. Right. I didn't agree to that. <laughs> and the shiner, right? Exactly. But, you know, I think that it's good for people to see Kat feeling a little off, you know. <laughs> I think she's so on top of her game that for her to be behind the eight ball for once in her life might be refreshing for the viewers. Humbling. Yes. Yes. Um, I guess this is the first episode that Kat's the lead here. Yes. Did you feel more responsibility as an actor or was it just... You certainly feel more responsibility, but I don't know that your process necessarily changes. You kind of apply the same thing, whether it's a small amount of material or a large amount of material. For me, it was about just keeping focused, keeping track of where I was in the script, what we already know, what we don't know. And while those are things that you normally focus on, you know, for me, there was obviously just a lot more material to sift through. And just generally, you're working a 65-hour week. Right. You know, and it also increased my respect for all the other actors on the show that have been doing that for years. So it was a balance, sort of a mental and physical balance to make sure that I was in good shape, slept well, ate right, yeah. all of that to make sure that every single day I could perform at my peak. Have you ever done an episode of television where you were carrying the whole episode like that? Were you with a lead? Um, I've had some pretty large guest stars in the past. I don't think that it, it, anything of this magnitude before. So you were able to kind of experience what Kelly and Peter and Mariska and everybody's been doing for decades. And yes. Stuff. And is there any points where you feel pressure or you don't really think that way? There's certainly pressure. You can't be the new girl and put out the worst episode of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I also am, you know, I talk a big game. I have a lot of pride. I'm excited to have some way of displaying my boxing training, you know. So it was one of those things that even in just my own brain, I had to get it right for myself. And then I wanted to get it right for everyone else that I work with and works with me. You know, it's it's just kind of an important thing to bring your A game and be prepared. And if everybody meets at that level, I think that's how this show has gone on for 21 years. Yeah, and I think there's a sense of the people who are watching, this is the first time they're seeing you really in that position. So, and I think it's great. Um, there's kind of like been a lot of instances leading up to this where you've made mistakes or more rookie type errors. Was it feeling good to kind of be like doing it right? You know, she gets it right, but there are still a few stumbles. Yeah. You know, there are still a few stumbles. She's never without a lesson, really, I think. And that's going to be the case for her first couple of years as it is in the squad room, I think. You know, she's going to have to learn from her mentors as much as I learn from being on set. You know, I say every day that I learn more and more of what I don't know. Right. And I, my seeming lack of knowledge in areas seems to grow the more I work because I find out that there's more and more that I need to learn about. And I think that's the same for Kat. As she gets deeper in this case, I mean, she, her instincts were right. Right. And she followed those instincts and she was smart. And, you know, in the end, she got it right. But her tactics along the way still need a little bit of polishing. And you'll see that again in this episode. They do. But I think the main thing was she walked into a room and she felt like something was wrong. And she acted on it. And that's really, in a sense, what your job is to do. Right? Correct. And had you not had that instinct, which you kind of can't teach, none of this would happen in this incredible journey that you go on for Esperanza. And these things that happen because of it, obviously, Justice and her coming out about the assault, and she does have to go to jail for what happened. But you bring the sisters back together. And there's been a lot of episodes where maybe things don't wrap up. So that, that was nice to see. Always. Yeah. I think that you going a little extra made those things happen. And did you see that in the script that you had to put, you had to maybe make that payment or like you had to do extra things to move this forward? This in particular was a much more personal case for her. She knew the people involved and that's, in the past, she has been able to identify with the people involved. But in this case, she actually knew them and had a past relationship with them. So I think for her, 
part of her missteps throughout the episode come from this being a heart-led investigation for her, you know, not being able to separate her job from her personal life. You know, that gets really difficult. And in the episode, you know, Olivia kind of tells her it can be hard when you're too close to the case to make good decisions. And I think that that's something that Kat learns in this episode. So she does go the extra mile to help these people, again, because I think she has a personal connection to them, but also because that's sort of who... Cat is. She has a hard time disconnecting her heart from her head. And you've been teamed up with different people so far this season, but you were with Benson for this episode. And just talk a little bit about that. It's a lot of fun, you know, again, because it just seems to continue that life and art are, you know, reflecting each other in these cases. And to, you know, be able to work closely with Mershka and solve this case sort of together and learn from her and learn from Olivia, you know, was one of those experiences that I think Kat really, really gained a lot of insight from. And it really shows you, I think, how close they really are and how comfortable Kat really is with Olivia. You know, she goes to her with this initially saying, hey, I don't really have a lot of evidence. This is just how I feel. Olivia recognizes that, honors that, and then goes with her and helps her to take care of something that's really important to her. And you really see Kat confide in her, I think. And I think that's a really, really kind, sweet bond that you get to see between the two of them. I think there's an ease to the relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, even though you get corrected, it feels organic to me. And I think that's a testament to you guys, the acting. I want to discuss maybe a different approach to the show with all the different directors coming in and out and different guest stars. Does that have any effect on you and what you're doing? So many of them are returning and I think bring something to each episode that they come back to and everyone understands their style. So for me, I'm getting to know each one of these directors. And I think it really teaches you as an actor how to be adaptable. You can read something, you can have an idea of what you think it should be, what it should look like, and a director may have a different idea, and you need to be open to adapting to that. You can also contribute your own ideas, but being able to mold and to understand somebody's style very quickly is something that I think is a great tool that you get from that. In the case of this episode, Baton and I were really excited, our director Baton, him especially, to be able to really get to explore Cat with me. This is not a character that's already been developed. This is still new and you're still unwrapping her. So I think for him, that was a really exciting thing to get to do on the show is sort of to help reveal something new and different colors. And this episode as a whole was really, really great for me for the same reason. You kind of got a few more layers of the onion. What do you look for in a director? Like, What do you want them to bring to you? I think it's really comforting when you have a director that seems to know more about your character than you do. They ask you really good questions. They feed you information that you know is considerate and thoughtful and not just them attempting to throw their opinion in the ring. Right. Um, So it's really refreshing. You know, someone like Baton, for instance, moved very quickly as a director, but it was not without consideration or thought. He just knew exactly what he wanted from each moment and was able to convey that to myself and to Manny and the other actors in the episode. And I think that was super helpful. He didn't have a lot of questions about how he felt. He really was able to communicate his thoughts very clearly and resonate with the character, despite this being, in our case, his first encounter with Kat. And all your motivations, they're very clear to you before you do the scenes? Like, you know exactly why you're doing what you're doing? You think you do. You think you do. And then sometimes you you can't account for someone else's performance or a director's influence. And I think that's what's really the cool collaborative part of it is that you have one idea and sure, like I have a skeleton for my character that I think will remain no matter what, that I feel is her core value. 
or her core values. And every director is going to have a little bit of a different life experience to bring to the table, and that will influence how they see your character. And every actor, every guest star, you know, that comes on, they all are going to have different energies. And so you can predict as best you can, but when it comes down to it, I think it usually ends up being a combination of ideas in that ends up being the best version of it. Are you nervous about how it's going to come out when it goes in a different direction than maybe expected? I guess I don't get nervous because there's no way that I can really know better than the people that have been doing this for so long. I right. know that that's the truth. and what them. I 100% trust yeah. them. Sometimes in certain cases, like, you know, if I were to bring in sort of my outlying opinion, that might not fit with the overall viewpoint of the show. So it's sort of trying to massage that. Do you ever get something like in a script and you're like, I thought Cat was tougher than that, or that doesn't seem like Cat, or has that come sure. up? And what do you do in those situations? You know, you speak to the writers about it. You kind of figure out, you want to understand why they went there. And it could be because they want to show a different side. So then it's up to me as an actor to figure out how to naturally, organically get myself to that point in a way that's still believable. Or sometimes there's changes that get made. Sometimes you meet in the middle, or sometimes I might provide a good enough case that they say, you know what, that makes sense. Let's do that. Again, it's just a big collaboration. Even in a well-oiled machine like this show, there's still a very much a human element. And even people, you know, like Marishka, who've been on for two decades, there are still times when she says, oh, this just doesn't feel like Olivia, you know, or Peter or Kelly or Ice will kind of say the same thing. And yeah. so even with well-established characters, you still get those moments. And you're in a different case. You know, no one knows what right. what could come. So. I'm finding out kind of yeah. at the same time as the writers. And, right, and that's right. really kind of fun to be like, ooh, I see what you did there. All right, another layer, you know. So you kind of get it piece by piece. Is there stuff that happens behind the scenes maybe that's like funny or unique about the show that you uh, could just share with the listeners? I mean, there's always story time with Uncle Ice. <laughs> he just has the best stories, the best advice. He's lived, he has such a diverse set of life experiences that he's a lot to share. And I love that. Um, On Twitter, he's just basically sending out like little pieces of advice yeah. all day long. You yeah. Know, it's like, he, this is what Ice would do. And yes. Like, oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and, you know, Kelly loves to play the guitar. And like, so we'll kind of have little moments where we'll sing together or do ah. something goofy like that. Or Do you sing? Um, I do sing. So sometimes we'll harmonize and kind of have just like a fun little moment while we're in hair and makeup. Right. Peter and I are always yelling goofy shit at each other all the time. <laughs> you know, it's... And then Mariska, you know, our relationship on camera is very similar to our relationship off camera. We recently coined ourselves MD and BD, Mama Detective and Baby Detective. <laughs> so cheesy. But, I mean, that, that really... It, there's an awesome sense of camaraderie behind the scenes. That's great about the guitar and the music and stuff. I haven't been privy to that, so. It happens rarely every now and then, yeah. but it's just one of those natural moments that comes along that is great. So is there something you could tell us maybe, or in your imagination, where you think Kat is going after episode 13? Like what you think is in the future for her? Kat stays active, keeps getting her run on. Recently I had to run upstairs like 17 times. <laughs> which was a lot. You know, in my mind, she's just going to start to become more comfortable with herself. You know, I think the audience will become more comfortable with her. It's kind of hard at first to accept something new and something that's so established. And I think that everyone's going to kind of grow together in that way. And I'm excited to see what's next. You know, we don't. I don't read scripts that far in advance. Yeah. You know, so you're just going to see her continuing to take responsibility for herself and really take her job seriously. As someone new on a show that's this big, are you at all paying attention to what the world is thinking of your character or thinking of the show this season? Sure. You I'd do? love to be able to say, 
I don't care what they think. I'm just working. No, but you Why do, do people lie like that? Why do people <laughs> say that? They do care, right? I we mean, all care. It's human instinct. It, I think so. I'd love to be enlightened enough to not care. But at the same time, with something like this, you're thinking just like, don't F it up. Don't F it up. You're being given this awesome, very unique, very rare opportunity. And I think that was important for me to remind myself every single day, even now, you know, just to show up and do my job, do it well with a positive attitude. But when it comes to fan reaction, that can be all over the place. It doesn't matter how hardworking I am or how lovely I am to work with. None of that matters to the people who are watching the show who have lived with it for far longer than I have. So it's a little bit nerve-wracking, but I'm very fortunate that most of the response has been positive. I've gotten really sweet comments from people kind of on the street. I was wondering, or, are you getting recognized? At the airport, I got recognized by um, by a security person there. And, you know, she said, oh, my God, you're, you're the new girl on SVU. And I said, yes. I'm, like, putting my passport in and Did doing the whole thing. Rush you through she, customs. She put me you through a yeah. diplomat line, which is probably a security breach. But she said to her friend who was also working, he said, oh, wait, that that's. And she goes, yeah, the girl from SVU. And he goes, oh, you're the one always trying to do it by yourself. And, <laughs> and I said, yes, but. To have someone have a knee-jerk and heartfelt reaction to yeah. a character for me, that's what you go for. Yeah, Even yeah. if they don't like your character, that's fine. If they have a reaction to your character as your character, no, that's, that's all you can that's, ask for. That's wonderful. I had Juliet on, and she was saying that you were one of the characters. Obviously, there's some of them existed before her, and some of them she has been able to shape their look. And there's been some good comments about your dress, and I just was wondering if you had input into that or... Um, uh, Juliet and I, it's kind of a, you know, she brings me a lot of really cool options and kind of go through it together to talk about whether or not Kat would find something inappropriate or appropriate to wear to work. You know, what's her home style like versus her work style and how is she compared to the rest of the cast? So with all of that in mind, you know, we've ended kind of in an edgy, more fun, funky place. She shows a lot of ankle that's been great with the Twitter followers. It really, it really has. It really has. I wasn't going to mention it, but yes. Yeah, I think it was like episode six or something or seven, somewhere yeah. in there where Ice looked down and he goes, somebody in wardrobe's got a fetish with your ankles. Yeah. <laughs> and when Juliet was on, she said, you know, that Ice comes on and says, good morning, Jamie's ankles. Yes, so, and he I, does. that kind of caught on on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. too. He greets my ankles every yeah. day, but now we're in winter. It's so, too cold, yeah. So they're hibernating for now. But it's sort of a combined effort. And what do you do with, like, clothes, just because I'm not an actor? I wonder if it's something that you think Kat would wear, but Jamie Gray Hyder would hate. Does that ever happen? I do have to separate that sometimes. You know, Julia and I will have a conversation and I'll say, ah, I really don't like that, but it might be right for Kat. You know, and as a human being with an ego, even if it's a healthy ego, you want to feel good in the things sure. that you're wearing and like the things that you're wearing. That and millions of people are going to see. Yes, yeah. it's going to live on forever and ever yeah. and ever in every country in the world for eternity. Um, <laughs> Correct. So I, if I felt uncomfortable on something, I wouldn't be forced to wear it. But there are some times you have to go, oh, okay. Knowing what Kat has to provide in the whole palette of the show, it's yeah. like you have to make some concessions. But for the most part, what's really great is we agree style-wise for the most part. And Kat's in a cashmere phase right now, which is really great for me. <laughs> and do we know much or will we know much about Kat not at work? I hope so. I hope we dive into that a little bit more. Um, the show doesn't do a ton on personal lives as far as on a regular basis, but I do think that people are very interested in her backstory. And I think that they'd like to see some more people in her life maybe because um, she's just different yeah. than, than the rest of the squad. So 
I think that we will get into that. I don't know in, in what depth or how soon that will come along. I think that because her work is so important to her, and I think that as you see her approach to her work, that does inform a little bit to her life experience and her kind of personal upbringing. But I think we will see more about her. Does Warren tell you, like, you know, later on we're going to reveal this, or is it just you're finding out as the episodes get written? Sometimes they'll hint at things in the future, but you find out for the most part when you receive the episode. And everyone is so open and accessible, too, that, you know, if you if there was something I wanted to share, I could make that suggestion and they could find a way to work it in in the future. If I got a script and I wanted to understand what the value of this episode was for Kat, I can write to the writers, I can speak to Warren and everyone else. And, you know, it's very much an open book here to make sure everybody agrees with the decisions being made and understands why those decisions are being made. Because there may be things you're doing that will inform something that's coming that you're unaware of. Correct. Yeah. And I just wanted to get your favorite scene and favorite line in this episode and why. My favorite scene is definitely the boxing match. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's pretty easy. It's one of those things where we worked really hard. We had a few rehearsals days before and learned the choreography. And Were you rehearsing here? For we rehearsed here. We did one session here. We did another session there on a day we weren't shooting there. And then on the fight day, we rehearsed it a bit. For me, it was important to use the stunt doubles as little as possible. I really love, like I said, to be physical. And I like to do as much of my own work and stunts as I could. So we did 99.9% .9 of the fight ourselves. And I'm really grateful to Manny for indulging me in that as far as staying right there with me the whole time. Um, She's a powerhouse. Was she trained? She trains in Muay Thai and is just athletic beyond belief. Right. So could you have gotten a girl with less cut arms for me to fight against? Like, she, she's just so strong, you, you know? She, <laughs> dang it. It is why I lost, though. Um, it's actually it, not why you lost, though. No, it's yeah. not. It's not your fault that you lost. It's not my fault that I lost. Right. It's very important to the story. <laughs> um, is there anything that was not in the boxing scene that you enjoyed? I think just kind of seeing Kat's world outside of work was kind of a fun. Seeing her be playful with other people in her life, I think, yeah. was a fun Good. side of her. And is there anything just different that when you came on in June or July and that's happening now, like, is there anything that surprised you working on this show? Everyone seemingly is as happy to be here today as they were the first time I walked How on is that set. Possible? I don't know. You walk around here too. <laughs> I know. Everybody's in a good mood. Everybody it's, says hello to me, and I'm just the podcast yeah. guy. I mean, know? we get tired after 15 yeah. hours. We want to go home. Right. But it's not because we're ungrateful. It's because we're freaking tired. But for the most part, everyone just shows up in the same condition, it seems like, every day, which is just a huge testament to the work ethic of the people who make this show. Yeah. I have seen very little unhappiness. So We have too much to do for anyone to be a jerk. <laughs> That's right. We have way too much to get done for any a-holes. It's just not going to work. True. That's true. You got to make 24 of these. Well, Jamie Gray-Hyder, thank you for coming back to the squad room. And this is a great episode and great talking to you, as usual. Thank you. Apparently, Brianna Yellen and Monet Hurst-Mendoza have wanted to do a boxing episode for a long time. We sat down with them and discussed where the story came from. So we're here on Squad Room, episode 2113, Redemption in Our Corner. I'm sitting with Brianna Yellen and Monet Hurst-Mendoza, again, returning to the Squad Room. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for having again. us. And... As we always do, I just want to start with the basic background for this episode and where the idea came from and what you both were trying to achieve with this episode. 
this episode kind of came out of me really organically, a little bit easier than the others. Not to say that the others were very difficult, but I have a play that is about a female bullfighter. And so this was like a episode about a female boxer and her struggles. So I was already familiar with the sort of... Uh, pathos that we need to bring to the episode and what the challenges might be for a woman in a male-dominated sport. And then, you know, we added the SVU of it all on top of it. So it felt like a natural fit. I think it was just a little bit easier. And we did make it a uh, Latinx heavy episode, which is great. It's my cultural heritage. And there was a way to make that really shine and represent a community that we touch on in certain episodes, but it felt really nice to have a real Latinx-centric episode in the Heights. So Jamie was obviously up for it because she has done this before. So yes. you weren't teaching her everything. We heard she boxed, and right. that was maybe part of the reason why we figured this might work this season, this yeah. story might work this season. So we're like, okay, great. We're going to do like this awesome boxing episode for you. And then we published it, and she's like, wait, I get punched out? Come on, <laughs> guys. <laughs> this is pitched me so yeah. differently. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Carl was on the show a couple years ago and had just come off doing Rocky on Broadway. At one point, Warren, Julie, and I were like, oh, maybe we can incorporate him into this boxing world. So that story obviously never panned out. But Wow, so it's been brewing, <laughs> it's been for, brewing a while. for a while. That's so. interesting. So we get a little peek of Barba, right? And he's tilting windmills in Iowa. So. <laughs> it's a very, very Warren-centric yes. idea, but I love it. It was great to have him back. Obviously, Olivia Benson has been going through a rough time lately, and we just wanted at least one beat in the beginning of the episode for her to feel what she's going through and for the audience to know that she is having these feelings and going through a rough time. And we've thought that Barbo was, you know, she was very close with him when he was on the show and their relationship lent itself to her sort of telling him how she felt without telling him how she felt. Mm -hmm. I think it was nice to address it in this episode because she's been through a couple mm -hmm. tragedies of yep. this season. And this time we get a little more sense of how she's doing after, mm -hmm. right, you know, right away, the episode right. after. So yeah, I think one of the big challenges on SVU is these personal storylines, which we've talked about on the podcast before, is, you know, how they're always the first thing to go. But I actually think that the writer's room is quite judicious in layering things. So even if you see a snippet of something, it tends to be addressed in further episodes because these are actual people and yeah. things don't just happen to them and then they forget about them. They affect them going forward. And so even though you're getting like these little crumbs, little droplets, I think the room in general is very cognizant of that and working towards addressing that throughout the arc of the season, which I think is really smart. Yeah. And it gets brought up again too when they ask her about going, does she want to come out? And she said, no, I have an mm -hmm. appointment. There's a couple of things where it's clear that yeah, She's and, struggling. Yes. So. And even when it's not something that's said, there are a couple moments where Mariska Benson chose to, you know, look as if she's just thinking about something else or somewhere else and then has to pop back into the scene and into the interview or whatever it is. Um, well, and I, moments like that in script or was that choices um, she made? Those came up, I think, in tone and choices that she made at the cast read through. She brought it up and said, you know, she wanted to layer in some moments where it's just an extra beat of her at the top of the scene or the end of the scene scene of her staring off or thinking about something. And you may notice that you may not, but it's nice to know that it's definitely there and layered in the performance. 
So we have Kat. She's over at the gym and entering this boxing world, and she kind of starts sniffing around. Something doesn't feel right, and basically that's how our story begins. And this is a little indication of her becoming more comfortable in her position and trusting her instincts. Is that something you guys were trying to portray with this story, or...? We've had Kat come in and we've seen her through the other cases and how she's fitting in with the squad. But this one, I think we really wanted to get into Kat's world and who Kat is and slowly peel back the layers of Kat. You know, this is one layer of Kat and we'll just keep moving on as we go. But I think it was really important as in the structure of our show. You know, we have one cop per episode that like has the A story and then like the B story. And this was Kat's A story, I think. For us, it was nice to build a little mentorship relationship between Benson and Kat. I like Kat them and, teamed up, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we Very tried nice. to team them up. And, you know, if Kat veered to the right, Benson would steer her back in the right direction. There are a couple points where she sort of goes off the rails and Kat's character seems to just act on her instincts mm-hmm. and just go with it and not necessarily think before she does it. And so that was something we played up in this episode and Benson sort of tells her how it should be. But then on the other hand, like Benson is a very spidey sense. She's over the years and years, she's learned to pick up on little things. And so this is Kat's first moment where she has that as well. And it's also like a nice homage to Benson too, because, you know, in the earlier seasons, Benson would do things sort of off the rails also. So it's kind of nice to see how time and perspective will change you. And I think it's nice that little pairing together. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So as things develop, we see Esperanza. Am I saying that properly? Yeah. Obviously confronts Romeo about what's happening. And there's a rather serious altercation, which leads to him being hospitalized and then ultimately not surviving. And then all of a sudden we have out of nowhere, surprising to me and probably the viewers that she would be charged for something like this. Mm -hmm. So is that an actual way that this would progress? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, Anne Milgram was talking to us about a gentleman who had punched somebody in a bar fight. And I think the person that he punched went into a coma or something. So it was something similar. So she, because we did ask her, that was one of the questions was, could this happen? And she was like, oh, yeah, this can happen very easily. I think a couple years ago, just in research that we had, there were a couple articles about a punch out challenge or something like that, where people in the city were just coming up and punching out random people on the street and they would get knocked out and very hurt. So part of our idea stemmed from those articles as well. So I think that people are then surprised by that. And obviously, so we have to dig deeper into the story and find out what's going on and a way to make her not pay in such a severe way. Right. And then you're kind of into the SVU story. And what comes first, I guess? It's like, do you know that that's happening before you're beginning or is it all just kind of trickling out? You mean like, like in the plotting session, how yeah. we sort of mm-hmm. figured it out? So. The main idea was there, and then it took one or two plotting sessions to really figure out, okay, the first half of this episode is about going after Romeo, and then the second half of this episode is about going after Santos and Esperanza as a result. I think it came in the plotting for sure of, like, if he dies, then we have to charge what we will soon learn is a victim. And how do you deal with that? And how do our cops feel about that? And how does the DA's office feel about that? But you have it, like, cut in half. You know that the first couple acts are going to be about this, and then then it's going to switch gears, too. We had to pivot. That's interesting. 
And what if the puzzle pieces don't fit? Like, is it? <laughs> well, they didn't. For they the didn't. They didn't for the first plotting <laughs> like, session. We were like, okay, this kind of makes sense, but how do we get to this point? So it did take us a few times, and I think it all goes back to just thinking. Like uh, Warren says this a lot: what is the overall story we're trying to tell? Think big picture, and then fill in the blanks. Right? Like always go back to the big picture when you get to a point where you're stuck and you can't move forward. Um, so I actually think that was helpful. We did want to tell the story of a survivor. And ultimately, how does she get redemption for what happened to her, right? I think that's why we were calling it. I think originally we wanted to call it Battle for a Boxer's Soul. And then somebody— Was that too many letters? No, 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 no. We ultimately went with redemption in her corner because it's not like a battle, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's more of a redemption story because both of those titles were 21 letters. So we were just like, what can we do here? What kind of story are we trying to tell? And I think it is a redemption story. Yes. I mean, ultimately, Esperanza does do time because— she did kill somebody. But in the end, I think with her father, you know, being arrested, she does get justice for herself. And coming together with her sister. And coming together is, with is her very, sister, yeah. But we'll get to that in a minute. So as far as Kat is kind of plowing through and Carisi seems to be losing his patience with her, right? Increasing. Is it increasing? <laughs> when she makes a comment about is Rollins in cahoots with Bucci, you know, like some right. kind of idea. Yes. Right, he, right. That does not work it's well a, for him. Yep. And right. <laughs> And here, he has a similar reaction. So what's going on there? Is it just... Well, I think he gets a little frustrated with the fact that she just acts. She, she breaks protocol. She thinks. And for someone who's new in his position and is working as many hours as he would be working, I think it just gets on his nerves. <laughs> for some yeah. reason, she just gets under his skin. Yeah. And is that something like you guys talk about beforehand? You're like, we're going to have... Creasy and Kat are going to be at odds, or does it just organically come out of your storytelling? It came out organically. It's not like we plotted Creasy's pissed (laughs) off at Kat here. Um, But also, as we were learning Kat's character and as mm -hmm. Jamie sort of bled over into Kat, or like however earlier on when you see how the actress plays the character, it sort of informs how the character Mm -hmm. will then have the rest of their arc in the future or like... Right. And even when our consultants read the script and then come back with us, like another thing that Anne had said that I thought was really informative for the character was, you know, Carisi's got a lot on the line. There's no way that he would be okay with a cop doing X, Y, Z thing. Right. um, Because he would be the person to get fired and he wouldn't risk his job over this break in protocol of Kat going to visit Esperanza without her lawyer present. Right. You know, so I think those bits of reality and fact help inform the character overall. And what's happening with Hadid in this episode? I think it's for Hadid, she has to be right the voice of the law. I originally wrote like the DA's office doesn't condone vigilante justice or something like that. I had written something like that. It didn't stay. But I think that that's the crux of it, right? Mm -hmm. So she's more like by the book of like, this happened, a man is dead, and so we need to charge the person who killed that man. Yeah, but I do think she is empathetic because she says to the, you know, we should be charging Santos, but we're not. I'm sorry. Like, I do think she genuinely feels for this girl. And I think originally when we were plotting it, she had said, uh, one of the things that Warren had said, because Warren will, in the plotting sessions, just come up with dialogue and say it. And one of the things he had said was, I hated trying these cases myself. Um, and I think we were going to delve into a little bit more of Hadid's backstory and like when she was, you know, in Carisi's position and she would get these types of cases. But that never made it to the final script. But she's possibly more sympathetic than we're seeing. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, Because I think she's, 
slightly being viewed as a very difficult well, person. Even in, um, I think it was episode nine, where she gives Carisi like one little crumb of like, you did a good job. Yeah. yeah. This was this was a hard <laughs> right, case. Right, right, And so you get a little moment of yeah. it, of seeing her humanity underneath and like she does care, but then she also has these bosses who are probably telling her to act a certain way and do a certain thing. And so she's sort of caught between the two worlds. The scene between Esperanza and Santos was pretty heavy. Was that a long one to write? Because it seemed very emotional in the jail and just... Yeah, actually, that one was not plotted out. And so it started as a smaller scene. But then when we got into, like, what would Esperanza say to her father and what would she want to say and how would that actually go, we just felt like we needed a full scene. It actually is one of our yeah. longer scenes in the episode. It is, um, yeah. So the main idea is basically her coming forward as we move into the second half. Mm -hmm. And I think coming forward and revealing these stories is a big thing that's going on right now. Yep. Also very difficult. Do you have trouble finding new ways to tell that particular story? One thing we really didn't want to do was have a story forced out of her. And so we tried to make it so that it was more organic. And this is something that... Throughout the episode, I think you can see that this is boiling inside of her, especially totally sets her off. And it's something that she does want to verbalize, whether it's to herself or to her sister or whoever. We didn't want our guys to force the story out of her. And so we worked pretty hard to make the character someone who basically gets into the situation and then she can't help herself and it just spills out. And in the end, it fortunately and unfortunately helps her case. And on that very heavy concept, was there anything behind the scenes that was lighter and fun and just that you enjoyed about this episode as opposed to previous episodes? The boxing, Obviously the boxing, yeah, right? The boxing. Yeah. When we got into the boxing gym that first day that we were there, it was just watching Manny and Jamie just rehearse different combinations was so fun. I would just stand there watching them and watching their feet, watching their hands. Where did you shoot the boxing stuff? At John's Boxing Gym in the Bronx. Okay. We faked it for the Romeos. <laughs> yeah, Romeos. <laughs> Actually, in our art department is incredible. They really turned that place out. We didn't have to change too much of the interior because it was just it's super needed, old school, yeah. what we needed, very gritty. But, you know, like the signage and how they made it uniquely Romeo's gym, I thought was really incredible. Yeah. And, you know, you walk into it, there's three giant rings. When we went and scouted it, there were people who had been there for years and years and years. There was a guy who was 80-something that was just sitting around. We're like, oh, there's a nice As guy. Like, be, right? like the reading the paper. And then yeah. we and turn then, around and he gets <laughs> into the ring and starts like training someone else. <laughs> yeah. And so we also we played into that reality and our guys come in, yeah, the art department, we fill it with um, atmosphere or smoke and right. um, mm -hmm. just sort of set the tone and the mood. And yeah. And I think we even had up. extras from the actual gym yeah. there, which was pretty cool. And just as writers, these names, the phenomenon from Lebanon, the fruit <laughs> from Beirut, <laughs> who came up with those? I think Warren was phenomenon from Lebanon. You were brute from Beirut. I got brute from Beirut. Um, and then Esperanza No Hope Morales was yeah. me. Yeah, that was her. <laughs> yes, yeah. We were thinking about for Catriona Ionia Tamin. That was we were good. thinking um, 
Cat the Machine to mean, but we wanted to use her full name. Yes. <laughs> right. I loved it. I think about you guys when I see stuff like that. I'm like, oh, they've had a moment of fun. Yes. You know, that was yeah. it always seems just sure. like, so like, oh. Yes. You know, in the trenches. Well, thank you so much, Monet and Brianna, for coming on and talking about yeah. this great episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having we us. We hope to see you again soon. Sounds good. We'll be back. That's a wrap for the squad room. Next week, Ice T is here hanging out. Don't forget to subscribe to the squad room wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss an episode. We want to hear from you. We love hearing from you. Follow us on Instagram at NBCSVU and at Wolf Entertainment and on Twitter at NBCSVU and at Wolf Ent. Squad Room is hosted and produced by me, Anthony Roman. It is executive produced by Elliot Wolf and Warren Light. This episode was recorded by Kate Levitt and Joe Tisdall. Post-production was handled by James Asciutto. And as always, a big Squad Room thank you to Victoria Pollock for all of her hard work. The Squad Room is brought to you by NBC and Wolf Entertainment. We'll see you next week.